0: Turning you back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, that we read just a little earlier on. Entitled the message tonight, The Sheep Rescued. The Sheep Rescued. Let's just unite our hearts together in a little word of prayer as we come uh, to the preaching. Lord, we do thank Thee for Thy presence. We thank the Lord for good singing. Thank the Lord for these hymns of Zion. Lord, we bless Thee for each one that can say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. O oh God, what a blessing it is to know the great and the good and the chief shepherd. And Lord, we pray that thou would come, thou would stand in our midst in all thy risen power. Thou might speak, Lord, through the power of thy spirit tonight, even to loved ones that are in this meeting house. And yet, Lord, they're not saved. O oh God, open up blinded eyes. Unstop the deafened ears, Lord, and we pray that they might hear even the effectual call of God. Be with us, Lord, as we come even to this familiar passage. Teach us, do our souls good. Give us words, Lord, that must and shall prevail. Give us those prevailing words and be glorified tonight, we ask in our Savior's name. Amen. We've all seen the pictures of the floods encroaching and of the power of the water, to destroy homes and businesses in our neighboring towns and even further afield. I wonder how many ever thought what it would be like to have 40 days of rain and 40 nights. wonder how many that thought crossed their mind. Well, you'll find the answer, of course, in Genesis chapter 7. But not only were the businesses in the towns affected, but livelihoods also, not least the farmer and those who had the livestock and fields. And the pictures were seen of sheep stranded having to be rescued. And of course, of people we knew who were interviewed in the process. I must get at Horry. He's lining up a good job. Anyhow, you have brought me to consider the Scriptures How often we come across the analogy of the sheep. And the analogy of the sheep is used to describe lost mankind. That's obvious in the Old Testament. It's obvious from that well-known chapter of Isaiah 53. Maybe some of us know it by heart, or at least some of the verses. All we like sheep have gone astray. You see, the Lord doesn't use another animal there, He uses the sheep. And the same can be said of the Savior. The Savior was found to use in his ministry the same analogy as he taught. Even in this instance, a parable, you'll notice verse 1, before the publicans and sinners. And he was criticized for receiving sinners. He was criticized for sitting down and eating with them. Praise God, he still does receive sinners. But in this one parable... The three parts of it show a complete picture of man in his destitute state and what God in salvation does for guilty, sinful man. You think of the lost coin tonight. That speaks of a regeneration. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is brought to bear. You think of the lost son tonight and there's reconciliation with an offended father. But you know those two are grounded upon first and foremost on the work of redemption. And that's the work of God the Son, the Shepherd, of whom we read about even in some of these opening verses that we have read together tonight. And what a message we have to proclaim. It is of the Savior who came as the shepherd to seek and to save that which was lost. And it's my prayer tonight that if you're in this house without Christ, that you would be not merely like the sheep that we saw on the television that were rescued, but that you would be a sheep tonight rescued and safe for all eternity. I want you to notice, and you know the wee thoughts I have tonight are as simple as the boys and girls will understand. There's the search. If there's one dominant thought and truth that is found throughout the Word of God, it is that mankind is lost because of a sin. And therefore it ought to be no surprise to us that the Lord uses often the analogy of the common sheep to portray lost mankind because the sheep is well known for getting lost. You look at the words of verse 4. And what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? You see, he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the scribes that were there murmuring. Murmuring because the Lord received sinners. And he throws it out. He says, what one of you wouldn't leave the 99 that are in the fold to go and find that one that is lost. I say to you, a sheep is common for getting lost. That's why the Lord doesn't use the example of a cow. Mind you, they can stray away too, but they have that instinct to come back. But the sheep doesn't by its own stupidity. It will find a hole in the hedge. It will get through it. Normally the rest of the flock is not far behind it. And the further on it goes, the further away from the fold, and the more and more into danger it gets. It is an animal that cannot defend itself like some other animals. And therefore the danger that potentially it can get into because of its actions is all the more extreme. And that's the picture that is shown here by the Lord of glory where it concerns man in his sinful spiritual state. He is lost. And that in no small part is due to his own stupid decision and actions that he takes. Because you see, men and women, by birth, by nature, by practice, the will of man and the heart of man is inclined towards sin. And the further and further he goes into sin, then the greater the danger of that eternal destruction when one day he falls over the precipice even into a lost eternity. The greatest need for the sinner is that they might be found. But here is something that they cannot do of themselves. For the sheep in our parable tonight, it cannot do anything of itself. There's no indication in these verses that any cry of the sheep was ever heard. There's no corresponding action that helps it to be found. The sheep can do nothing to contribute to its own rescue. It is dependent entirely upon another. And that other is the shepherd. The shepherd who searches. Understand from these verses that this search is personal. The Lord says in the words of verse 5, when he hath found it, It implies a searching. But more than that, it identifies the one who searches. It's the shepherd. In verse 6, the truth again is repeated. I have found. It's the shepherd who extends the call unto the sheep. It's the call of the gospel that is freely offered to all that will hear it. You see, I want you to notice. Forget about the chapter division. Those chapter divisions were put in later. They're only for your benefit and mine. They help us to find verses more easily because they're divided into chapters. But you just forget about the chapter division. And you look at the last verse of the previous chapter 14. In fact, the last words. It says, It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. The Lord's speaking about salt that has lost its savor. And he says this, He that hath ears to hear let him hear. Now, every one of us have got these in the side of our head, but that doesn't say everybody hears. Do you understand me? The Lord says, He that adheres to hear. To hear. Are you hearing the message of the gospel? Are you just going through the motions one ear out the other ear? and you don't uh, think upon it, you don't consider it what has been said, you don't consider it to your own heart, you see the Lord is speaking to those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. It is that call above the voice of the preacher that call whereby the sinner is troubled in their sin and there is a disturbance of the soul and there's conviction there and where before there's no recognition of your lost condition there now is because the great shepherd of the sheep is dealing with you. And isn't that something that the the Savior is found to be doing right throughout the Scriptures? Luke chapter 5, verse 32, he says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he identifies them in this parable. I've said to you already, it's the Pharisees, it's the scribes that came murmuring. You see, they were the boys that thought they didn't need the Savior. I don't need this salvation. But the application is found in the words of verse 7 at the end. He says, more than the 99 just persons who need no repentance. They don't think they need to repent of their sin. And the Lord taught in the words of Luke chapter 5 and 32, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Isaiah 45 and 4, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. And I want to tell you tonight, the Lord in mercy is yet calling in the gospel. And you see, his search is particular. It's blatantly obvious that The concentration of the shepherd in the parable is upon just one sheep. In the other parts, it's just upon one coin. It's just upon one son. And dear loved one, that reminds us of the particular redemption of Christ was to purchase on the cross for individuals. It was to the cross that he went, so in order to redeem a people unto himself, the sheep whom the Father gave to him from eternity past. And on that cross, he had those sheep in his heart. You know, if there's only one sinner to be saved in all the world throughout all the generations of time, then he still would have went to the cross. He still would have endured the same sufferings. He still would have shed his own precious blood and paid the same penalty for sin that that one sinner might be redeemed. What a blessed thought to consider the Christ of God deals with sinners as individuals. And you know it's noted and seen right throughout his earthly ministry. Amidst the great crowd one day he dealt with one woman with an issue of blood and she was to be healed. Among the multitudes one day we see the Lord stopped at the foot of a tree to deal just with one man who was up in it by the name of Zacchaeus. And the crowded pool of Bethesda there was one man there who was to be made whole. In John chapter 4, we read that he must needs go through Samaria. Uh, that might be insignificant to you, but Samaria was the country the Jews would circumvent in order to get around it. They wouldn't go through it, and vice versa, for the no dealings with the Samaritans. But why did the Lord go through it? Because the Savior had a love for individuals. And there's one woman whom he was in search of. One woman that had to be met with. One woman that had to be found. That woman was a notorious sinner. That woman wasn't, I don't believe, that old. Yet she had five husbands. And now she was living with a man outside the bond of marriage. She was a notorious sinner. If she was walking the street of Market Hill, you maybe would have nothing to do with her. But men and women, the Lord met with her at the well and she was gloriously saved because the Lord deals with individuals. I wonder, is there an individual tonight and the Lord has brought you under the sound of my voice that you might meet with him? You consider also his searching, his persevering. The words at the end of verse 4 says it, uh, going after that which is lost until he find it. The searching of the shepherd is not hindered by veal. It's not hindered by the mountain. It's not hindered by the storm waters as we saw the other day. He searches until he has found the sheep that is lost and is in danger. And so it is with Christ, dear friend. He's yet searching. There are others that are not of this fold. And them also he must bring. And that search will persevere until the last sheep for whom he died on the cross will be found. You look at John chapter 6 and the words of verse 38. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I shall lose nothing, but shall raise it up again at the last day. There are many of God's people today we can say we're eternally thankful that the Lord didn't stop searching for us. Tucked us as brands from the burning. He came to where we were. You know, as people, God's people say, the night that I found Christ. That's not really right. You didn't find Christ. Christ found you. Christ found me. Because he's a Savior that came to search He came to where we were. Tell me what about you tonight? Have you been found of Christ? Or are you still in the darkness of your sin? Are you still in the danger of being eternally lost? There's a search. There has to be. What about the sheep? Modern evangelism, much is made often of decisions. The assumption is that man must decide for Christ as he have ever, if he is ever to be saved. And therefore, the whole matter lies within the will of man to determine. I don't see that in this passage. A close look at the words of these verses will reveal that when the shepherd approached the lost sheep, there's no mention of an option being found or an option being given. The sheep is not asked whether it wants to be rescued or not. Who sheep the other day were glad to be rescued in the midst of the flood waters. And so consider with me the raising of the sheep as you find it in verse 5. When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders. When the searching shepherd was to eventually find the sheep that was lost. He very simply takes it from where it was. He raises it up until he lays it on his shoulders. And the rescued sheep the other day were rescued and lifted up by mechanical means, but the principle is still the same. As Benjamin Keach, as a preacher of the 17th century, who said this, and I quote. Christ finding his lost sheep and taking it up in his arms denotes grace. Such grace that the sinner cannot resist or withstand. Not that he forces the will, but he sweetly inclines it and makes the unwilling to be willing in the day of this his power. You see, that sums it up. It's not you or me deciding, making an option. It's God making our will willing in the day of his power. The position of the fine sheep is totally different to where it was when it was lost. The sheep that was close to the earth is now raised up on the shepherd and while it is in this world it is no longer of this world. And my dear sinner friend, out in the storms of this world, that is what Christ does in salvation, you see. His grace is able to find you, to find you amidst the very worst of company. For that is what the complaint of the Pharisees was, remember, against the Lord here. He receiveth sinners. He sitteth down and eateth with them, the notorious, those who were despised, those that the Pharisees considered people of the land. They didn't stick to their rules and to their commands. And yet the Lord received them. And when he finds them, he transforms his sheep. His grace lifts us up from the mire and filth of this world and the sin that we were in. You just listen to the words of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. He says, But God... First three verses denote what we are in our sin, children of disobedience, as is others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You listen to the words of Hannah. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, she said in her song, He raised up the poor out of the dust. He lifted up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. I wonder where are you found this evening? In the quagmire of sin of this world? Or as Christ, by his grace, lifted you up onto that higher plane and set your feet upon the rock, Christ Jesus? For understand, the sheep is one who is resting upon the shepherd from being lost, from being in grave danger. It is now found, laid upon the shoulders of the shepherd. He layeth it on his shoulders, and as such it cannot be in any safer place. For you see, if the sheep will be attacked, the shepherd must be attacked first. It's close to him. It's near to his voice. And dear sinner, that is what Christ does for his sheep in salvation. For when they are found, they're safe, they're secure, they're resting by faith in him alone. The burden of the sheep is now upon the Savior. It's resting on his shoulders. And you just think the one who is the governance of this world upon his shoulder. And We read about in Isaiah is the Christ who carries his sheep upon his shoulders, plural. And the shoulders speak about strength. Tell me, is there any better place for the sheep to be found tonight than in union with Christ the great shepherd and secure in his control? to take the words of that best-known psalm, it's only the sea of sinner who can say, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's Christ who secures the sheep who keeps his sheep for they cannot keep themselves. It's Christ who defends his sheep. To depend entirely upon the Lord Jesus Christ is to rest upon one who has conquered them all. He was to bruise even the head of the old serpent and the roaring lion at Calvary. Oh, my friend, he was like David of old. He snatches his people from the jaws of our adversary through his atoning death on that cross and rising again victoriously over death and over the grave. And he ever lives to make intercession for his sheep. Bearing them up before his heavenly Father. Let me ask you tonight, upon what are you resting for salvation? If it is not upon Christ alone, by faith then you have no salvation. You have no security. You're yet in danger of being eternally lost. You consider that for the sheep it was rescued. It had no power to rescue itself. It needed another to come and to deliver it from the danger. And so it is, my friend, with you in your undone state before God. You need to be rescued. Do you understand that? You need to be rescued from sin and from Satan. Satan has you bound in your sin tonight. You need to be rescued from your own self-righteousness like the Pharisees and the scribes. You need to be rescued from dependence upon a mere outward show of religion and form like the Pharisees of the Lord's day. You need to be rescued from the judgment of God against sin in that place of eternally perishing. And you know the Lord speaks about that in the very next chapter of the rich man and the beggar who died. And the, re- the beggar went to glory. Rich man opened his eyes in hell. A place of no mercy. Not even the smallest. A place of no escape. Their great gulf could not be bridged. A place where there's no prayer answered. A place where there's no pacifying of the conscience too late there's only one who can affect that risk of your soul and that is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Savior who made his soul an offering for sin will you be the sheep that was found of Christ tonight the first Sabbath of November 23 you'll leave this house saved and secure. We've looked at the search. We've considered you the sheep. What about the shepherd? The shepherd is, as I've already referenced, the Lord Jesus Christ who came to seek and to save of that which is lost. The salient points of the shepherd are found even within the content of these verses of this parable. You'll note his priority is revealed. What is it? but to leave everything behind so that he might go and search and find the sheep that was lost. The other responsibilities are put in their proper place so that he might focus his attention on that sheep that is not in the fold. And it is with the shepherd and his concern about the sheep that was stranded and the danger of drowning the other day. Everything else was put to the side. Every other thing that had to be uh, put a hand to or dealt with had to be uh, put to the back of of the list because the sheep had to be rescued. That was the priority of the shepherd. And dear soul, without God's salvation, the Scriptures make it clear that the Lord was to leave the glory he had with the Father behind him. That he might come to this world in order to redeem his people unto himself. You see, his priority was the redemption of the sheep. Before his incarnation, the psalmist spoke of the Savior's purpose as coming to do the Father's will and in which he delighted in. In the event of his incarnation, the message to Joseph was, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. During his earthly ministry, he continually referred to his impending death in terms of laying down his life for the sheep. And after he rose again from the dead... The message that the apostles were to take to the lost and to a dying world was of the finished redeeming work of the cross. Luke 24 verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's the message that they had to take. The message of redeeming love. Priority of the great shepherd of our souls was to redeem us. That's why he set his face as a flint toward Jerusalem. That's why he didn't turn to the left hand or to the right. And God in Christ knew what was before him. He knew all about it. He all knew what he was going to face in Pilate's hall. He knew what he had to go through on Golgotha's brow. But he didn't turn to the left or to the right. He set his face even to the work of redeeming his sheep that were lost. That's why he endured the cross, man. That's why he endured and fulfilled God's holy law, young person. That's why he finished the work. Rejecting the calls for him to come down from the cross. And we will believe thee. Save thyself. But he instead was to fulfill those words. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In the place of. In the stead of the sheep. And when we speak of redemption. Redemption. You know, therein is the price that had to be paid. Why does the shepherd so diligently, so earnestly, and continually search for his lost sheep? You know why? Because he has purchased them. He's bought them in the market. He's paid a price for them. Maybe it's the offspring of the old that he paid and purchased some time back, but it's still his sheep. Men and women, I lift that up into the spiritual. And the Savior so diligently and so earnestly and continually searches for his lost sheep because he has paid the price for their redemption. He purchased them from the slave market. And the price that he had to pay wasn't coinage of silver or gold, but with his, it was his own precious blood. You see, the law decreed without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And the Christ of God and the shepherd of our souls was to lay down his life. Because in him we might know redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. And with the shepherd there's the praise that's offered. When the sheep that is lost it is found. I don't know why you noticed it or not. But verses 5, 6, and 7 is repeated three times. And he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders rejoice. When he cometh home, he calls together his friends, neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. Verse 7, I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven. Rejoice with me. There's rejoicing when that soul is safely brought home. Christ will never lose one of his sheep. I would that you in closing would come with me to first Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, let me just show you a wee thing here. I'll read verse three, it's really further on I want to comment but Says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter's writing to the Gentile believers that were scattered everywhere. He's reminding them of what they were. They were born again. They were begotten again. Of, unto a lively hope, a living hope. What too? to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We all know the word inheritance. Maybe inheritance is left to an only son, an only daughter. You see, the child of God, we have inheritance with the sons and daughters of the King. That inheritance will not corrupt. That inheritance will not rust away. That that inheritance will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. But men and women, do you understand that God hasn't set aside an inheritance that somehow His sheep will not inherit? But that inheritance is kept and it's kept because his sheep will one day inherit it in glory. For verse 5 goes on to say, We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God has that inheritance, but God keeps his sheep that they might have it, that they might enjoy it there is a verse that reminds you and me that we're sure of that inheritance because Christ keeps his sheep. Rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth rejoicing among the spirits of just men made perfect, the church in heaven, and there will be rejoicing among the church on earth tonight. If sinner, you will accept Christ now and be saved. You don't need to listen to the lie of the devil. You need to be saved, boy, but you couldn't keep it. It's Christ that keeps you because it's Christ that saves you. Will there be rejoicing tonight over another having been found another part of the fold of God. I wonder, will you turn from your sin? I wonder, will you heed Christ's call in the gospel and come tonight? May God help you for His glory's sake. And then you'll be able to sing what we're going to sing just now. You'll be able to say, I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. You can't sing that tonight, sinner. Oh, you have a head knowledge, but you have no hard experience of the Savior having sought and found you, lifted you from your mire of sin and placed you on that higher ground, placed you in Christ Jesus, given you an inheritance that he's keeping you for. Or oh, will you come now, accept him as your Savior, Repent of your sin And you'll be able to say On the cross he suffered Shed his blood and died That I might ever I might ever In his love confide Wonder will you be The sheep that's rescued tonight May God help you to be so 439 We're going to sing that little hymn In closing 439 You'll find it on page 353. I have a shepherd, one I love so well, how he has blessed me. Tongue can never tell. Let's stand as we sing it. Watch the words as we do so. 439. God, we thank thee for thy word. We thank the Lord for the great shepherd. We praise thee, Lord, that he left everything behind of the glory he had with the Father, that he might come on a rescue mission, that he might come to seek and to that which was lost. And, O oh God, we've seen ourselves even depicted in these words. And, Lord, we pray in the closing seconds of this meeting that I would come, Lord, and deal with an individual sheep. And I might, Lord, rescue them from the mire of their sin. I would lift them up, place them on thy shoulders, safe and secure. With that inheritance to look forward to, with Christ for all eternity. O God, minister unto hearts. Lord, answer answer prayer, Lord, of thy people. I know us, Lord, those that are yet in their sin. And we pray, Lord, that may be will to come and say, I'm following the Savior. O oh, God, answer prayer. Part us with thy blessing. Speak on when the preacher's voice is silent. For we pray these things in our Savior's name and for God's eternal glory. Amen.